Aalto University Podcast. Hi all, this is Cloud Reachers. I'm Tommy. Today, a great pleasure. I'm here with Akseli Huhtanen. Hi. How are you doing, Akseli? How are things? Where are you now? Hi, I'm good. Uh, I'm at home in Espo, uh, still enjoying some wintry weather, but uh, looking forward to the becoming spring. Yeah, it's absolutely magnificent sunshine uh, now in Finland. It's uh, it's kind of uh, shining hope also <laughs> the world. Uh, But uh, hey, um, today um, I would like to have a deep dive about your um, awesome expertise uh, about learning. Um, can you share the listeners uh, about your background, who you are, and uh, about also about your work as a learning designer? Yeah, so I work as a learning designer in the team of Fitech Network University that is coordinated by Aalto University. Um, My tasks include uh, helping teachers turn their ideas into uh, MOOC courses and online courses of all sorts, um, also supporting them by providing uh, sort of worksheets, frameworks for the, uh, their pedagogical work and uh, teaching. Mm, my own background is in uh, teaching, so I... Uh, studied philosophy and then became a teacher of philosophy and realized learning is is something that interests me the most and then dug deeper and ended up combining the sort of design thinking aspects with learning and now I'm here. Ah, philosophy. I didn't know. So uh, at the University of Helsinki, right? Yes, yeah. So theoretical philosophy or practical philosophy? Or... I studied the practical philosophy and, and then uh, started doing these like teacher substitutions and then uh, thought like, okay, teaching, this seems like a very interesting way of sort of elaborating the philosophy. Wow, that's uh, that's super nice connection. Um I don't know if I ever shared, but I studied uh, theoretical philosophy as a minor. Oh, you did? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also for the PhD, a uh, kind of minor topic in addition to media technology. So I did uh, post-pro seminars while there. Oh, cool. So uh, yeah. So that's uh, yet another connection. I mean, how do you how do you think? Um, Uh, can we? Can you walk me through uh, about the steps to become a learning designer? Does it? Uh, is it like always? Uh, are there any steps, or is it like this kind of? crazy path where you study philosophy and design thinking and and this and that and then suddenly you realize that okay well you want to design learning uh, what do you think <laughs> well yeah uh, i wish there was a clear path but uh, at least for me there wasn't really uh yeah it's sort of a like uh, yeah it's a profession that is still emerging i would say um A lot of people around call them learning designers, or I think more and more people, and that's a good sign. Um, but it, there's a clear sort of geographical difference. Like I would say in Central Europe or Continental Europe, the learning experience design is a more commonly used term, whereas in America, there seems to be a lot of instructional designers, so focusing on the teaching. Um, And maybe, well, UK 
there the learning design might be the most common term so it's sort of a emerging and and a field that combines a lot of like different disciplines as the name sort of indicates so i studied philosophy then studied uh, pedagogics and uh, became a teacher like a qualified teacher and then I realized, okay, there's something missing. Like we are sort of missing the uh, end user's perspective. We're just focusing on like what the teacher does and what is the sort of subject matter, but not on what the learner is doing. So I realized design has a, like as a discipline, a lot of uh, good methods and good approaches towards the uh, user's perspective. Mm. So I had to combine a lot of different fields. Mm. That's what what I'm hearing is that uh, it's um, it's really the combination. I mean, it's it's not single discipline that uh, that can solve all the problems. And is that the that's that's why in Europe, as you said, um, um, it's called learning experience designer. Um, Share a bit more about how do you think, uh, how can you design an experience? So what what kind of things are essential for creating an experience? And, and what, what happens if you don't uh, design the experience? Well, yeah, well, um, I'm not an expert on designing experiences, but as I see it, well, it comes close to what what is being called user experience design or user interface design so um, sort of a uh, timely limited um, a situation where you encounter something uh, that is like um, positive and meaningful to you but also somehow um, maybe surprising or moves you somehow from somewhere to somewhere so it's like a uh, a, a transition or transformation, uh, even in a very small scale. So, yeah, and a, a good experience then is something that is, of course, like memorable because it's so uh, it's a positive thing. It surprises you in a positive way and uh, somehow makes you think differently what you previously experienced or thought. Mm. So, actually, learning something. Um, the uh, which brings me to um, ask about the how do you see assessment? I mean, how do you how do we assess that somebody has learned something? And perhaps also, how do we how do we uh, provide uh, some sort of certificate patches or credit points? How do you see the world um, world of recognition now? And and obviously, assessment uh, has a big role in 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 first of all, ensuring that all these recognitions make sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, assessment is like a vital part of all education or even all like uh, ways of learning. But yeah, then we have to ask first, like, why do we assess? So like, what's the purpose of the assess? Is it serving the learning or is it serving some administrative needs? And if it's only for administration's cost, then I wouldn't pay too much <laughs> attention. It. But of course, we have to administer things as well. Um, but yeah, uh, then if we decide to assess, then... Mm, assessment is of course directing the learning like 
Pekka Peura, the Finnish math educator, says like you get what you assess. So if you assess like um, um, memorizing different uh, pieces of knowledge uh, from the book or uh, from a course, then you get people to memorize things. But if you assess uh, doing things, then you get them to learn doing. Uh, so it's it's a very important thing. And this way, I I would consider assessing along the way rather than assessing at the end so uh, moving from exams to uh, something that is uh, more uh, spread out throughout the learning experience mm. mm-hmm. and then of course like making it visible is important as you said like these credentials and badges and all this uh, and that is well, I would say in the world of sort of continuous or lifelong learning, it's more vital than ever because we have to show that we've been learning things uh, all the time uh, across our careers and working life. So uh, we need to somehow uh, show that and bring along these um, all the time smaller credentials. Mm. Uh, so micro-credentials, certificates, certificates and open patches what i what i hear is that um that those will have a role in uh, lifelong learning or life-wide learning as we call it in in alta but how do you see um how about uh, universities i mean uh, i mean <laughs> a degree for degree education how do you see um the degrees grade points and then these patches what is their role Kind yeah. Of, well, kind of, what are the relationships, uh, if I were to put it that way? Yeah, I would say it's in in a transition. It's changing. Uh, I think, uh, for example, at Fitech, uh, we face a lot of these questions, like why why should someone uh, get the credits, or why would they want to complete a course if they got the information or the skill that they were looking for? So what's the point in uh, going through the materials? Uh, and then comes these like uh, other ways of showing that you have reached a certain uh, sort of competency or uh, level of skill. Um, and this way, universities have to become more agile, I would say. So we need to uh, to stay relevant. We need to stay at the edge of like how people are learning. And if they are learning only in these small chunks, then we need to chunk our uh, like what we offer. But on the other hand, degrees they form the sort of like a, a solid foundation for for future learning. So uh, to become a good learner, it takes a lot of time. So Taking a degree program is definitely, I would say, the best way to uh, build this kind of foundation for your future learning skills. So mm, we cannot uh, like completely lose them, but on the other hand, we need something in addition. Mm. So, so for degree education, could be a way to learn to learn. Also, I mean, after your degree. Yeah, in my opinion, definitely. Like, I'm not doing philosophy professionally, but I still consider like being very important for my present profession uh, that I studied mm. philosophy. Not because what was being studied, but how it was studied and uh, mm. how it made me think rather than what I know. So, 
sort of like studying these very wide and general topics uh, makes you a better thinker, better learner, better doer. Mm. So this way it's still very important. Absolutely. So I so agree. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've quite a few philosophy books well, and I mean, I don't read them every day or anything, or even every week, but uh, but they exist. And, you know, sometimes I pick up even my course books, I mean, for philosophy and uh, kind of check it again, like if, if, if I could relearn something or if I could learn something more from those. Yeah, I so agree with you. Um, uh, you mentioned uh, FITEC. Um, and uh, you have been, of course, enabling and uh, seeing a full spectrum of learning in FITEC, um, which is a, a kind of network of Finnish universities uh, uh, teaching uh, technology. So in those contexts, uh, how are people um, best learning and what kind of challenges they are in, I don't know, in their lifelong learning um, wishes and uh, how do you see the situation? Are, are people having some perhaps challenges there and then how do they overcome those challenges, be timing or anything? Yeah, yeah. Well, there are challenges, of course. Uh, it's not that we can just like open our uh, university courses for anyone and not expect anything to uh, become a problem. Uh, so... I would say the most obvious challenge is that like while we reach for out for a new target audience, these lifelong learners, and then uh, at the same time move the courses online to reach uh, everyone across Finland or across the world, uh, we we face this huge problem of dropout. So when people are not uh, interacting with, with each other informally around the course, they don't have the social support network, uh, they are perhaps unaware of the uh, sort of uh, normal procedures at the university. The tools might be new for them. The whole uh, conceptual universe is somehow new to them. So there are many points where it, it might end up uh, into a case of dropout. And not completing the course is, of course, like stopping the learning experience as well. So first, we need to get people to complete the course, and then we can uh, focus on other areas of making them well, or helping them to learn. Mm. Is it? Um, I'm, I'm just connecting, reconnecting to what we talked about experience. So, um, in in the case of lifelong learning, isn't the I mean, important to understand the full context or full experience that lifelong learners have. I mean, they have, they perhaps work, uh, I don't know, eight hours per day and then they have family business, they have, uh, you know, I don't know, hobbies and then where exactly will they learn in which kind of slots? Yeah, that's a very good point. Like, uh, yeah, it's a completely new setting compared to people living like in the same neighborhood with the university where they go every day like in Otaniemi so uh, yeah yeah it's definitely different um, and on the other hand the forms how people learn in the working life are also like changing or have already changed like uh, 20 years ago 
uh, and it's not just like studying and taking courses, uh, not going to trainings, uh, but also um, studying like in the flow of work, uh, sort mm. of interlead within the whole process of work uh, by meeting people in networks, in sort of a so-called uh, communities of practice where you exchange people with uh, like your peers. So. Uh, all this has to be taken into account, like the uh, university is not the sole authority of knowledge, but we sort of uh, needed to add up something to the uh, existing ecosystem or the sphere of learning. So this way we needed to make the learning as accessible as possible. So there need to be like uh, as low threshold as possible uh, to enter the course, then uh, the experience should be somehow like modular so that there are like chunks or pieces of learning that you can take at once and then uh, return later on so that you're not expected to read a uh, like whole book um, at one session um, and also you should be able to connect people that's important and we are missing mm -hmm. that out a lot of time like uh people like especially adults professionals come to uh, learning situations to meet new people and contact with them and uh, gain insights through discussion so if we don't uh, like allow that then what's the point in the whole experience mm -hmm. nice <laughs> i have a new master's thesis student working exactly on that topic so how to bring social interaction to online learning um I, uh, I I so connect to um, um, everything you said. Uh, thanks for sharing your awesome insight. Um, I was thinking about the, especially what you said about how to kind of um, understand uh, the learners. Uh, um, well, what they want to actually uh, get out of, out of the learning, and then if if that is exactly people, then. Um, perhaps uh, it's enough for them to simply match them. I mean, that are based on their interest or based on uh, kind of mentor, mentee kind of wishes that, okay, well, I mean, some people obviously want to coach and some people want to be coached, right? So um, so that's, that's great advice. How do you think, um, what, what kind of skills uh, should people learn? I mean, we, we have now this crazy pandemic time, obviously, and, and so much is remote and and uh, everything happens uh, in in rather different way than before. Almost everything, I don't know. How do you see, um, what are the skills or mindsets people should now learn? Mm. Um. Well, there's, of course, a whole bunch of things. Um, but I think if we expect the technology to become more and more helpful in our daily work, then uh, we should focus more on the sort of interpersonal and perhaps like intrapersonal, like, a, uh, like thinking about your own thinking kind of skills. So... I would say like as concrete competencies, um, for example, facilitation of uh, online and on-site meetings is definitely very important skill because like making these like social events meaningful and important and serving their purpose and everyone feeling 
psycholo- psychologically safe is like uh, perhaps the most vital productivity issue there is like in today's working life on the mm. other hand like uh, expressing yourself and expressing your own thoughts becomes more and more important as we have like the the pace of uh, work is like speeding up and uh, we need to like we have less and less time to formulate our own thoughts so we should be very able to do that in like very limited time for example like writing uh, clear text about like how we think or what we know or uh, what we can do what we are able to do um, and also uh, other forms of expression like visual expression uh mm. like formulating clear images like a, one image can say more than thousand words and if you lack that skill you are like losing thousands of words every every day <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's great great advice uh for people uh, whoever is listening to that that advice i mean that will bring you far, <laughs> far away uh, I, I i just participated in a multi-day um training event um, on basically arranging online events, so I just <laughs> just just um, so so all of us uh, should learn all the time, and uh, especially these skills that are needed. Um, but about um, about uh, learning, um, are they, can you share some um, turning point, or are there some turning points in your life or career that made you yourself uh, think? differently super differently somehow about life about research about learning about anything definitely one turning point was when i was like a quite unexperienced teacher and i was teaching philosophy at the high school and i sort of realized like nobody's paying attention or at least nobody's learning at the course and uh, i was like struggling because i I knew like I mastered the the content as well as uh, it, it should be and like there was an ideal uh, buffet of uh, history of philosophy but still they wouldn't learn it and uh, I was thinking like okay I, I need some new tricks to um, make them pay attention and I inserted a lot of technological uh, things like uh, use a lot of online methods and um, like uh, digital gadgets in the classroom and so on and it caught their attention for about I don't know five minutes and then I (laughs) needed a new trick so uh, I realized okay there's still something more to it I need to dig deeper and then realized okay well motivation is also another thing like uh, it's not about uh, only memory and only attention but there's also this aspect of motivation to the psychology of learning and uh, then also understood the sort of concept of uh, knowledge creation or knowledge construction that they need to work uh, themselves on what they are ought to learn so uh, this was a turning point and then i started studying the psychology of learning a lot and moved a bit away from philosophy because i realized it's not just about me possessing the knowledge but i also should understand how to enable other people's learning so yeah, this was definitely I I would say career-wise one of the biggest shifts in my mind. 
Wow, thanks for sharing. Uh, I mean, that's awesome because I mean, what I'm hearing is that uh, it, that you basically needed this struggle, and that struggle exactly made you so great learning designer, or at least uh, started your path towards being a great learning designer. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it sort of uh, showed me my own ignorance about the topic. Like, <laughs> and, and I try to uh, keep that alive, like understanding what I don't know yet. Yeah, but that, there's perhaps a um, bigger learning for uh, all the listeners out there that uh, that whatever you are now, uh, whatever is your context, and uh, if you have some struggles now, Perhaps there is some hidden message in that struggle. Perhaps there is, you know, it's it's um, it's calling you to do something, <laughs> to learn something, to to, you know, I don't know. Perhaps use some tricks first, and then follow that path to learn more about whatever it is. In your case, it was uh, learning psychology and and uh, so on. That's great. Yeah, that will I will have to think about it more for a while, and I'm absolutely sure we I want to uh, come back to that later on. Uh, talking about learning, um, what did you learn last time, and where did it happen? Is it was it online, or did you read a book, or how did you learn it? For a f- more formal learning experience, I um, I took part in this uh, online course on learning experience design. It was a Dutch company arranging it and the audience was pretty awesome, like 25 people from uh, all (laughs) continents of the world. It was like quite amazing. So the experiences were (laughs) wide ranging and people were from like uh, higher education as I am, but also from uh, like uh, elementary education, and corporate learning so like very uh, very interesting uh, experiences and i realized like okay i still need to work on this like uh, more user centric way of of creating the learning experiences and quite recently this morning i uh, uh, met with some people to test out with the uh, still under construction course uh, and it was like a, a good experience as well, like uh, showing a completely like uh, just like a scratch version of the course, uh, only containing basically the storyboard and a one prototype module. And uh, still, I think I got so so much useful feedback. So, like uh, opening things uh, for commenting uh, when they are still under construction is something that I definitely learned to value a lot recently mm. yeah absolutely but uh working with drafts and uh early giving early access to them i mean that's that's so useful and that's and also i mean it's uh it's also a way to create a community of of trust and and community of learners and community of i don't know co-creative <laughs> minds right yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah, agile, lean approach, and that that kind of um, trends. Uh, talking about trends, uh, how do you see? Um, we were talking about micro credentials, of course, earlier, and certificates, patches. A lot of companies also uh, come into the field of education business, if you like. Um, universities are um, 
trying to transform themselves <laughs> sometimes successfully and sometimes you know not that successfully it's uh, clear also uh, when we look at this whole pandemic i mean some universities have quite successfully gone online and, and remote and some have closed or postponed their semesters and it's it's so many different uh, ways to operate in this this world and, and certainly um this will happen in the future what do you think uh, what kind of school or university would be ideal or is there an ideal university uh, but if if there is uh, what would uh, people learn there in that university or school how would they learn um we kind of touched also um about what what skills are needed to uh, be learned today but uh, what do you think uh, what kind of skills or attitudes uh, people should learn in that ideal university or school what do you think hmm. if i compare to like how i studied uh, philosophy social sciences and educational sciences i feel like what i was missing that i wanted to have uh was this sort of um maybe a mindset but also a skill set of uh, creating products or projects of my own sort of the creative confidence uh, that i can start something new that is not existent uh, in the world and um, uh, it's also possible to build it and also other be- people can benefit and find it meaningful so uh, this is something like we were taught to uh, study topics that someone else had already like studied and uh, researched and then uh, like understand that and document it well and uh, it's not very creative so this is something <laughs> I wanted to add uh, and to make it sort of um, like uh, sustainable I think we needed to enable more of this community building like uh, like a university of the size of Aalto University is so big that we cannot just like uh, provide everything for every student, but we need to uh, enable the student to build their like uh, safe communities, their safe spaces and um, like communities of practice where they can learn. So this is something we still need to learn, I would say. So in the perfect Mm. future university, it would be a a collection of uh, different interleaving communities that are uh, possessing the creative confidence. Mm. That's great. I I would like to study in that university or teach at that (laughs) university. (laughs) Perhaps both. Uh, Absolutely agree with you. Fantastic idea. Um, Yeah, in, in many ways, I think we have seen some of that happening also in in some universities some university we we know of but of course there is a lot to do and especially what you said i think that was really interesting that um, that students should be able to create their own safe spaces safe study spaces own communities kind of easy enough that that's just awesome um what do you think? Um, this is a, a final question, and I ask this from all all guests of the um, Cloud Reachers podcast. Cloud Reachers meaning, of course, like cloud online dream, something that we could uh, or should be reaching out. Um, but uh, who do you think, or what is a cloud reacher in your mind, in your field, uh, that's bringing new ideas or reaching out clouds or 
dreaming at least of something better. I think it comes back to what we just discussed about this, like uh, creative confidence and uh, people who sort of uh, enable other people to meet each other. So, yeah, this is something that I I think is the most like uh, inspirational people who build movements and uh, not around themselves, but around like a, a vision that is like shared with others and uh, is open-ended so that it's open for contribution and uh, compassion perhaps. So, yeah, yeah. I I feel like there's a lot of this in the field of education, but uh, there could be way more. Uh, so we uh, a lot of time create our own courses in solitude and uh, close them to only the participants of that experience, and uh, no other educator, no other learner can access them or see like uh, the sort of source code of our creations. So uh, what if we had this uh, open data, open source code? ideology in education in a more widespread way and that is something that i'm dreaming of that's so great so um so ready to be working with drafts to and share them openly with the others and also the results to the others and the source code you want that so so it sounds to me that like uh, in that dream university that you were just visioning uh that would be also the way that all learning is designed. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you want to enable trust, then you need to make also the background process visible for everyone. And when mm. it's visible, then you can contribute. So it sort of invites everyone into the same uh, say space. Thanks for sharing. And hey, actually, thanks so much for joining uh, CloudReach's episode. Um, and bringing your wisdom and, and insight, I think that was just great and uh, highly appreciated. And I'm sure our listeners will learn a lot from this episode. I think this is material that people should, by the way, listen to many times. Listen to Axeli. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you, Tommy. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Um, so this was Cloud Reachers. Um, I'm Tommy. Stay tuned. Uh, see you around. Take care, stay safe, ciao.